0: Okay, Roselle Klein-Szartok is a professor emerita of education at the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts. After a 45-year career in education, she is now a full-time artist and writer. Szartok is the author of five books, among them an anthology of the Nazi Holocaust, a subject she has both taught, lectured on, and written about for many years. Her most recent book about the Jewish world of Elvis Presley integrates her interest in Jewish topics, history, and music. Roselle grew up near um, Hudson, New York. She is married to Alan Shartok. They have two children and three grandchildren, and they live in Great Barrington, Mass. Please join me in a warm welcome for Roselle. Hello, everybody. I am so happy to be here uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of them is that this is also my first in-person presentation. I've been doing Zoom talks about this topic and having a lot of fun at my dining room table. And it uh, <laughs> makes, makes it easy. But you know, I, I am in love with traveling, discovering new things. The fact that we're here at, a, at an important and beautiful historic house gives me great pleasure um, because I was a teacher of history for many years and then went on to the college level in the field of education. So this this really is a very special place and a very special organization, and Elvis would be very happy that I'm here. <laughs> and you're saying, why? <laughs> um, Elvis... Well, I, you know, where do I start? <laughs> I could talk for hours about it. I mean, every chapter in the book um, could could be something I talk about and it was very hard for me to decide you know what do i what do I hone in on but let me start out with the the obvious question it's what Joe it's what Joe Donahue always starts out with when he interviews an author. Do you know the question? How did you come to write this book <laughs> that's what he always starts with so um so it, it, it's, it's an odd thing, but uh, I had written, written before this book, I've written four books, and the last one was uh, called Windsor Mountain School, a beloved Berkshire institution. It was about a private progressive boarding school in Lenox. No one here has probably heard of it, but, well, you have, okay. Uh, it's a story that wasn't told, and I was shocked when I found out about some of the details. And uh, as a person who needed to have a topic for my sabbatical, uh, a, a few years ago, um, I, I thought well, maybe Windsor Mountain would be a good topic So, I, because it had a wonderful philosophy of education, et cetera. It was, it was started by um, Holocaust survivors and uh, a lot of important people sent their kids there. So it was a really good topic. And um, I finished that book and it was published by the History Press. And uh, if, if you have ever been in a situation where you've done research and then it's over, it's sort of a letdown and you feel like I need to do some more research. And I said, okay, I'll start trying to figure out what my next book is gonna be about. So I wrapped my brain, and nothing interested I made a list, all kinds of possibilities, and nothing interested me. So I was very frustrated. One night then, uh, during that time, uh, I was lying in bed, and, and a lot of you know that when you're up in the middle of the night, and your mind is just wandering into a million different places, and you don't know why those topics come into your mind. But what came into my mind was, um, well, first let me preface this by saying that one of my, and my only thing that I collect uh, is are 40s dresses, and I'm, I'm wearing one now. I love vintage clothing. I, I wear vintage clothing throughout the summer, and it's just a lot of fun. What we do should be fun, right? So I was flying there, and uh, I, I got in my mind's eye Elvis Presley wearing one of his plaid jackets and his, you know, striped pants, and Right there on the Elvis Presley—I sh- mean, on the uh, Ed Sullivan show—and I said, "Oh God, he was a cool dresser." And I don't mean the, the sparkles, you know, the diamond outfits that, frankly, I didn't really like. But uh, I liked his vintage clothing. So, and then what came in my mind was, "I wonder who his tailor was." So I took my iPhone from the side of the bed, and I put Elvis Presley's tailor, and it said the Lansky Brothers. Oh, I said, well, that's not unusual to have a Jewish tailor, but Elvis having a Jewish tailor? I mean, it just didn't make sense that he would have anything to do with Jews. But there it was, the Lansky brothers. So I said, okay, I'm going to find out who they are. So I Googled Lansky brothers, and that was the revelation. Oh, my goodness. What came up was Bernard Lansky and Elvis Presley were friends for over 25 years, intimate friends. Uh, He... Elvis loved Bernard. Bernard loved Elvis. He clothed Elvis. He clothed Elvis from the day that he bought his first tie, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute, to the day he died. He was buried in a Lansky brother's suit, white suit, blue tie. And it was a beautiful relationship. And, you know, Elvis would always call him Mr. Lansky. This is after like, you know, 25 years of of being his friend. and Bernard would always say, call me Bernard. And he said, no, Mr. Lansky, I have so much respect for you and what you've done. And, you know, and he called everybody Mr. or Mrs. Because, and because he had so much respect for people who were educated and who had accomplished something. Very polite guy. And um, so, so I said, wow, he had this relationship with a Jewish tailor and um, who dressed him from you know his whole life And I said, boy, and you know the next question that came to me, was there another Jew who he was friendly? Are there any other Jews that he was friendly with? And that was the beginning. That was when I started to peel the onion and to find out that in his inner circle, which was called the Memphis Mafia, half of them were Jews. And I was fortunate enough to to get to know two of them. Um, And I'll tell you more about that. And then peel the onion some more And I found out, oh my God, he's Jewish. No, no. I said, no, no. Yeah, according to Jewish law, Elvis Presley is a Jew. What happened was his mother sat him down, Gladys sat him down and said, Elvis, he was probably not even a teenager yet, Elvis, we have Jewish blood, but don't tell anybody because people don't like Jews. And who were those people who don't like Jews? Was his father and the Presley side of the family. Virulent anti-Semites. It's in the book, the kinds of things that Vernon Presley had to say about Jews. So Gladys did not want any, you know, anybody to know, and certainly not the Presley family. So how did how did this happen that, that it was discovered he had Jewish heritage? How did that happen? Well, there was a woman named Elaine Dundee. She was a writer and she was had also than an actress, she wrote a book called Gladys and Elvis. And she was the first person in her research to find some link between Elvis and Judaism. But what she said in the book, and I I read it backwards and forwards, and as an historian, I'm always looking for concrete evidence. You can't just say, oh, I interviewed somebody and he said this or she said that. No, where is the the documentation? I, I wasn't finding it in her book. What she had done was she had gone down to Memphis and she had interviewed in Tupelo. He was born in Tupelo, Mississippi. She went down and she interviewed people and she found a man by the name of Oscar Tackett who was related many generations before to Abner Tackett. And so Oscar said, my, my ancestor was married to a Jewish woman. And the Tacketts were relatives of... of uh, Gladys's family. As it turned out, she was she was able to trace Elvis's heritage back five generations of Jewish women to Nancy Burdine, was her name. She was a Lithuanian Jew who came with her family to the south, and Nancy Burdine married into the into the Smith family. That was Gladys's last name, into the Smith family, and Every generation down till he got to Gladys, whoever was born in that family was, uh, it has to be a line of Jewish women, most of you know that, it has to be a matrilineal uh, descendancy, and he is a descendant of five generations since Nancy Burdine. She told him this in so many words by saying they had Jewish heritage, and he, he never forgot that. It, it meant something to him. So. So I'm going to tell you about that uh, something more about that heritage and what it meant to him. So he he became really famous in 1954. That's when the song "That's All Right, Mama," which is a, such a great song, and I wish I could start singing it for you right now. I've got I mean I I've got to figure out how to in- integrate music into this whole talk because I love a lot a lot of the songs he sings. So he that record was the beginning 1954, and um, and he made it. And by 1964, it was huge. So let's go to 1958. Gladys dies in 1958. That's the point where Elvis was in the army. He was devastated. His mother died at the age of 46 years old. She had had some uh, problems, um, a number of different health problems. And people say, his best friend said, that he never would have gotten involved with the whole drug scene, the whole, well, he didn't call them drugs, he called them medicines he would not have gotten into the addictive medicines that we all know about so well now. Um, if, if it had his mother dying, that she, had she lived, she would have prevented, you know, she would have guided him and said, this is not this is not good for you, this is not healthy. And he would have listened to her, to her. And many members of the Memphis Mafia said that that was the case. They all agreed, had she lived, he wouldn't have gone in that route, down that route. So anyway, he, um, so at this point, he, uh, so, his mo- I'd say his mother died in 1958. He's already very famous by then. 1964, we're going to 1964, and he goes to visit his mother's gravesite in, in Fernhill Cemetery in Memphis. And he brings along with him two of his friends, two of his Jewish mafia friends, Marty Lacker and Larry Geller. Larry and I have been in touch throughout the entire time that I. Wrote the book and I researched the book. He is the most generous of people. He's in his 80s. As Elvis would be 86 this year, um, so so Larry is, is in his earlier 80s, and he was a tremendous help to me. But um, so getting back to the fact that he brought these two Jewish friends to the cemetery, and they're looking at Gladys's gravestone, and Elvis turns to Larry and he says, "You know, I want to put a Star of David on my mother's gravestone." Now, there's a cross right there. He says, I want to put it over on this other side. And Larry uh, and and Marty said, we'll take care of that. And and before too long, there was a a Jewish star on her gravestone. That's 1964. Move up to 1977, the year that Elvis died. A tragedy, and we could talk a lot about that. But... um, in 1977, his father, Vernon, was very concerned about grave robbing. You know, when a star like Elvis, where they rip your clothes off and, and he throws kerchiefs out to them and they think that they have gold in their hands, uh, it, it's not hard to believe that people try to get to that grave and, and dig out whatever they could. So Vernon said, I, I'm going to bring that gravestone. Uh, I'm going to take the graves to Graceland. So in 1977, the two graves, Elvis's and his mother, Gladys's, were taken away from Fern Hill Cemetery and what was established at that point were two very big uh, bronze uh, plaques in the meditation garden of Graceland and that was along with all of the other uh, family. and that It was never known where the heck that gravestone with the Jewish star ended up. Hmm, where did Vernon put that, or, you know, what happened? So, now remember, I'm writing this book over, you know, a few years, and, and it could've, I could have gotten it done by 2019, uh, I'm sorry, 2018, and I'm glad I didn't, because something very dramatic happened in 2018. And I'm so glad I got to include it in the book, and that is... The, the um, archivist at Graceland, her name is Angie Marchese, she went into this massive warehouse where all of the memorabilia and all of the anything that has anything to do with Elvis, mili- there's million objects in there, all kinds of stuff, and she's wading her way through the stuff, and she comes across the remnants of this gravestone with the Star of David. 2018, she finds it, and she brings it out and says, we have to restore it. And they restore it, and they put it in the Meditation Garden at Graceland. You have no idea what this means. This means that it's not Roselle Shartok saying he had Jewish heritage, claiming this big thing based on all kinds of you know evidence, but the real evidence that the Elvis Presley Enterprises, which is responsible for all things Elvis, they are confirming his Jewish heritage. And I was so happy that I got to include that in the book because I, I, when I first wrote that first chapter, I said, it is assumed that and we think that and all this kind of thing. I was able to say, it's true. If EPE says it, Elvis Presley Enterprises says it, it's true. I'll just pass out the, the uh, a, photograph, a photograph of the, re- the restored gravestone and it sits so that any tourist who goes to Graceland knows of his Jewish heritage. So that's, so you know how I came to write the book. You know a little bit about his, his uh, Jewish heritage and his Jewish roots. And now, um, wow, I, I had to decide whether I was gonna talk about Larry Geller and his relationship with Elvis. He was one of the Memphis Mafia members. And he was very significant because he taught Elvis all Jewish topics from Kabbalah to uh, to the high, etc. And I'll tell you a little bit about Larry and Elvis' relationship, but I, I, I'll only tell you a little bit because I want to talk about the rabbi. Um, so Larry Geller meets Elvis because he needs a hairdresser. He's out in L.A. and he's making a movie and his hairdresser had to go on to some other kind of livelihood and they needed uh, desperately needed a hairdresser and Larry Geller was a hairdresser apparently worked for somebody who was hairdresser to the stars so Larry shows up and I'm I'm abbreviating this story but it's so incredible he sits down uh, and starts to talk to Elvis but then he gets up and he's trying to get going on the hair you know but they get into a discussion and um, and Elvis looks up at Larry and he says what are you all about like who are you and Larry says, and this, this is uh, a coming from Larry Geller, who I interviewed a lot, um, he said, I said, to, I said to myself, Larry, should I tell Elvis the truth that I'm a vegan, that I do yoga, that, I, you know, that I'm into meditation? You know, like he's gonna think I'm some kind of nut. And he said, no, I'm gonna tell him, I'm gonna tell him. And so Larry said, this is what I, who I am, this is how I practice my life. These are the books that I read. And Elvis said, I need you. You're coming. You're coming at the right time in my life. I'm searching for answers. I don't know why certain things have happened. For example, Elvis did not understand how, he, how come he lived when his twin, Jesse, died at birth. Why did he survive? Uh, he walked around with this guilt, with this, with this question, did it mean that he had a higher purpose in life, that he survived? He didn't know. And, and the other question, was the obvious question, is why me? Why am I this icon? Why, why do people you know, throw things at me, and, and flowers? And, and why am I Elvis? What, what does this mean? So Larry set about giving him books upon books, Eastern philosophies, Western philosophies, every kind of philosophy. And Elvis read every one. He, uh, Larry told me that, that Elvis would write notes in the, in the margins of these books. Um, I could go further on, but just suffice it to say that one of the things that Larry shared with him was the Kabbalah, and, and Elvis loved gematria, the, the analysis of numbers and how they relate to words and letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And, and so Elvis was fascinated by these words, and he loved high, he loved this idea that life, long life, And and so he went out and got a golden high and he wore it around his neck. And there's a photograph of him in the book wearing it. He wore it when he was in his glitzy outfits. He wore it along with the cross. Um, He also wore Star of David uh, from time to time. And he was fascinated again by words. This is Elvis Presley, you know, a guy like reading books, um, you know, and fascinated by words. This is a side of Elvis that you have, you know, have no idea about, but um, and there's another side which I'll tell you in a minute. So, so he he embraced all of what Larry was telling him, and one of the things he did was, for, for example, uh, analyze the name Elvis. L, El, God, this power, the power of God. He saw such significance in this. My God, you know what? what? He also said to Larry how much he loved the Jewish religion. He was so amazed at, you know, look at who the Jews have produced. Einstein, this is Elvis talking, Einstein, Freud. Who's the other guy? You want to name him? Jesus. What what an extraordinary religion this is, says Elvis to Larry. I think if we traced everybody back to the roots, you'd find that everybody was a Jew, (laughs) comes from Jews. Another thing he said to Larry, which... um, which I found just so telling about who this man is. I mean, remember, Elvis comes from Assembly of God, fundamentalist, poor, really poor, poor white, uneducated, and yet this man said to Larry, you know, Larry, I love my church because we sing these beautiful gospel songs and I learned all about music in my church, And I, but you know, Larry, I don't understand something. They talk in my church about Moses and all of the, you know, Ezekiel and all the prophets and how much they, you know, admire them and respect them. And then they walk out of that church door and they say, those goddamn Jews. He says, I don't understand that. This is a man who rose above so much of that anti-Semitism that existed in the South, that existed in his own family. The other side, the other aspect of Elvis, and as I say, I would love to talk much longer about all of it, besides his being a, a thinker, um, he was one of the most generous people in the world. This is a man who, if he heard his dentist say, and this actually happened, his, de- his Jewish dentist, Lester Hoffman, he heard his dentist say uh, when, when, Le- when uh, Lester was visiting Graceland, Uh, He said to Elvis, that that is a beautiful organ over there. It's just really lovely. And, And, you know, Lester played the guitar a little bit, you know, as doctors and folks sometimes, you know, are musicians too. And so Lester had a guitar, but he admired the organ. You don't say that in front of Elvis Presley because it's going to be in your house in a few hours. People realized that they had to hold their tongue because if they expressed any admiration for something, he would buy it for them. And one of the places that he was incredibly generous to was the Jewish Community Center of Memphis. It's, it's a beautiful story. You know, he, he lived in an area of Memphis called the Pinch. And has any, does anyone know that area of Memphis? It, it was where the immigrants and the poor settled first, and then they moved from there on to, <clears throat> you know, when they made their money, they moved out of the Pinch. Elvis lived there in, amongst poor immigrants, including Jewish immigrants, And one of those uh, Jewish families that was living there um, was Rabbi Fruchter, Alfred Fruchter. I knew that I'd get a reaction. I mean, I could mention a lot of things right now that I'd get a reaction. But that one I knew because for those of you who are saying, why does somebody know him and I don't? Uh, Alfred Fruchter started out with his first congregation in Memphis. And he ended his career as a rabbi in Troy in Troy there's a whole chapter on the rabbi in here and the, the relationship between the Fruchter family and the Presleys not not Vernon <laughs> uh, was so beautiful It, it, it I, I, when I first started talking about this book and I've done it as I told you on Zoom the first two times that I talked about the rabbi and Elvis I actually started getting teary. I don't do that anymore because I've talked about it a lot. But I got emotional because when I think back to what that relationship was like and what it so rare, so unusual and I loved the idea that I, you know that he ended his career in Troy and and where did I get some of the information from? Well, not only from two of the five children that the Fruchters had um, wonderful people uh, but I also got it from the Times Union um, there was a guy uh, who works for the Times Union, and he knew I was working on this book, and he he gave Alan uh, photocopies of the obituaries of Rabbi Fruchter and Jeanette, his wife. They died a couple of years apart. But um, so, so, and that was so revealing uh, to to read those those obituaries. So, so here's the rabbi and his family living upstairs in this duplex, and the Presleys living downstairs, and. Elvis was their Shabbos not don't, I don't use that term anymore, but that's the way it was written up when, you know, when I first learned about it. Uh, it's now Shabbos helper. It's Much more acceptable. He, he, was, he was the fructor's Shabbos helper. They loved him like a son. He would eat Sabbath dinner with them, put on his yarmulke. He carried it around in his pocket. He ate the simits and he ate the challah. You know that he, his favorite food was peanut butter and banana sandwiches. He started to eat the, those sandwiches on challah. He listened to the music, the cantorial music that would come through the windows of the rabbis' um, upstairs apartment. Uh, some people said maybe that influenced some of the music that he sang. Who knows? I think that real, the, the real influence on Elvis's music, uh, besides African American music, was um, was the fact that his top, and I'm not exaggerating, that eight people out of his top ten composers, songwriters, were Jews. Eight out of ten of his top composers. He had over a hundred composers. Top eight Jews. I think that might have influenced some of the music because these composers grew up with Jewish music, etc. So... So, besides eating dinners with them and sharing their food and listening to, he even had some Yiddish isms. And he loved the rabbi. And when, the, when Mrs. Fruch, when Jeanette had her first baby, the story, and this is coming from the Fruchter's children saying this, when, when the first baby was born, Elvis supposedly ran out and said, Mrs. Fruchter, let me carry your firstborn upstairs. And he subsequently carried her groceries in. He was there as as almost a son. And then when his big hit came, That's All Right, Mama, he didn't own a phonograph, too, too poor, didn't have a telephone. Whose telephone? Whose phonograph? He went upstairs to the rabbi. And those phone calls that came in were on the rabbi's phone, and the phonograph that he played his new record on was on the rabbi's phonograph. Um, I'm going to fast forward to when he last saw the rabbi. Again, I could talk for hours. <laughs> um, it's very heartwarming. He, the rabbi had his, his next congregation after Memphis, well, um, by the way, I, I, I wanted to make sure you understood that because one of the, the most one of the areas that Elvis gave thousands upon thousands of dollars to, was to the Jewish Federation, because the Jewish, communi- um, the Jewish Community Center of Memphis, when he was a little kid, gave him free membership so he could have a place to play. They did that, for, as you know, uh, for poor kids to, to have a place to be off the streets and to play. He never forgot, never forgot what the Jewish Community Center did for him. He learned how to play racquetball there, by the way, which was, he was a damn good racquetball player. And he was a good athlete, by the way. You never think of him as an athlete, but he was. He was approached by the Jewish Community Center at one point for, for a donation, and he gave them a check, and they looked at the check, and they said, I think you made a mistake, Mr. Presley. It was $150,000, and he said, no, that's not a mistake. This man loved Judaism, he loved Jews, he loved um, to give to, he, you know, St. Jude's, as many of you know, it, uh, was a very big recipient of his, work, of his donations, African-Americans, the poor uh, of Memphis were, were recipients of his, of his gifts. Anyone who says he's a racist, let me say that B.B. King, who I quote at the very beginning of the book, B.B. King, the great, the great blues, black blues man, he's, he's the first to say this man was not a racist. He embraced everything African American, the music and everything else. He didn't steal our music, he said. He integrated it into his sound. And that was important research for me, because I could never write a book about a racist. <laughs> I mean, I could not do that. But, and you, you may think that I might have been a fan of Elvis. I was not a big fan. But by the end of doing the research on this book, I loved this man. I loved him. Yeah, he had quirks, don't we all? But what a fine man. And let me just finish by saying, the last time you saw the rabbi, out in san francisco and elvis is out there giving a concert and so so the rabbi so has his new pulpit out there and he says i think i'm going to go see if i can get to say hi to my friend elvis um who again thought of as a son so he goes to the big auditorium and george klein who was one of the jewish friends of elvis's who uh had a bar mitzvah and had, you know he was he was um, you know, a believer and all of that, and Elvis loved George Klein. So George Klein uh, gets this note that somebody hands him from the rabbi, who, who hasn't been allowed to come in. But so he hands this note to somebody who gives it to George, and George is reading this note and he says, "This is from my rabbi." You know, how does he know Elvis? Um, so, I mean, he didn't know the whole the whole story. So. Um, He he has to decide, you know, I guess I could let the rabbi in. That would be nice. So he invited the rabbi in and they embrace, and how are you? And and he brings Elvis, I mean, he brings um, the rabbi to Elvis, and they embrace, and there's much joy. And Elvis looks at at the rabbi Fruchter and he says, You know, um, I'm about to go into a press conference. I want you to come with me. So the rabbi goes into the press conference with Elvis, and Elvis stands up ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet my rabbi. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the press was, what the hell is that about? Um, and that was the last time that the rabbi ever saw Elvis. And when he died, and I learned this from, from uh, some of the, obi- the obituary and also from the rabbi's daughter, that it was, it was, um, it was tragic for, the, for them to see this happen to some, this young man who they adored. As a son, and they loved so much. Um, I don't. I don't know. I could, like I say, I could talk forever. But suffice it to say that that you will be introduced to six members of the of the six Jewish members of his Memphis Mafia, and each one's story is amazing. You'll get to know. I left. I couldn't talk about Bernard Lansky. I really want you to meet Bernard. He's in here. I'll tell you what his favorite saying was. Maybe it's yours too. And if I have to translate for some of you, that's fine. Nahamal. You know what nachomo means? This too, in other words, it's, a, it's an expression of frustration. Nachomo, again, my mother used to say it too. Um, so, so Elvis was in love with Bernard Lansky, Learned, you know, heard him speaking Yiddish all the time. But, but I didn't get a chance to tell you the heartwarming story of, of Bernard Lansky and Elvis' relationship. And there's a chapter on the Jewish songwriters and the Jewish directors and producers—they were all of his time. Uh, the majority of his films were were directed and produced by Jews. And um, and then I think what might be of interest to some of you is the history of Memphis Jewry. You know, Southern Jews are a different breed. <laughs> And I didn't know anything about Southern Jews. I didn't even know there were that many Jews in Memphis. Do you know that Memphis has the largest Orthodox congregation in the country? I bet you thought New York City, maybe. Memphis. So I learned so much about Memphis Jewry going back to the the 18th and 19th centuries. And I I decided to include a chapter on the story of Memphis Jewry because it has a lot of connections with Elvis. So, on that note, I I welcome questions and I hope that you have a chance to find out more about this amazing man. Yes.